This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Timmy. And I'm JC. And JC, uh, today is our Manic Monday. I'm sorry. Manic Monday. Yes. And, uh... <laughs> got you, Will. Um, so today, JC's our guest, and why don't you tell everybody about your channel? Uh, so... I am JC of JC Productions, and my channel is, I do short films every once in a while, but every single week I am streaming video games. Mostly right now I do zombie games, and yeah, besides that, I'm going to be coming out with a new short film, hopefully in like a week. Ooh, very cool. Mm. See what the description says. I love filmmaking and also love gaming. This channel is simply a reflection of what I love to do. It seems like you got this in the bag, dude. You really described <laughs> this well. All right. Um, I saw that you had some kind of world record stream thing you were trying to do. Is that true? Yeah. I currently hold three record world records in Call of Duty Zombies. That's amazing. Do you want to elaborate on that? Um, so... Call of Duty Zombies has a website dedicated to world records where if you stream it or do a video of it, you can post it and it will get like vetted. And then those are the world records for the game. And they have it for Call of Duty Zombies for all of them. They also have like Warzone and um, survival games for Call of Duty as well. But for they have custom maps as well for like Black Ops 3 and World at War. And for Black Ops 3, a huge map dropped. It was so huge that people were calling it a new um, DLC. And me and some guys got together in one of the streams and we set three uh, four-player world records on it. Huh. Good for you guys. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm currently trying to snag a world record in a uh, in World at War right now, but I'm climbing the ladder at number four. Nice. Didn't realize we were, we were living with a living legend here, you know. Oh, I wouldn't <laughs> say that. <laughs> so you're going to be really on top of this Call of Duty Warzone talk, huh? Mm. So our first, uh, before we get into our main topic, which is essentially Call of Duty Warzone has a massive subscriber, or subscriber player base, um, we're going to start with our two quick topics. The first one is... Donkey Kong Country on the Nintendo Switch, July 15th. That's awesome. Amazing. I don't know how anybody could be upset about that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fantastic news. I love Donkey Kong Country. That was like, you know, a beautiful, a beautiful memory that I still revisit periodically. I stream and that every once nice. in a while. <laughs> yep. It's something about Nintendo games, no matter what they are, are always so timeless. Like, literally, I... I broke out the Wii and started playing Mario Kart again. It doesn't matter what <laughs> what game it is, whether right. it's on like the N64 or GameCube or anything, it, it will always be good and people will be happier to see it in a high-res version. Now, what's, totally true. What's significant about this, though, is the fact that Rare has somehow allowed this to be added to the Switch, which is cool, you know, because Rare has some kind right. of rights to this. I know they're not yeah. as significant as Nintendo, but it's still cool that they're working oh, together the on this. The music in this game is amazing, too. Oh, my gosh, mm -hmm. yes. Just Some of the best. what he had to work with, you know. Some of the best. Um, yeah. Anyway. I still have the VHS tape they sent. It was like a, just a yeah. behind-the-scenes, you know. Uh, I what? don't even remember how I got it, honestly. Some just Nintendo did. Which one? That's the whole reason I bought Donkey Kong Country. There's like three it or four was... tapes they released. 
I honestly don't know. Uh, I'll have to find it and tell you. Because all I remember is it was about Donkey Kong Country. It was like a <laughs> behind-the-scenes looking thing that we had just sent off for. And uh, then I bought Donkey Kong Country. I mean, my mom played it. It's a great time. Very nice. Railroad, railroad level's rough. Yes. Yes, I'm figure it out. Get that one jump. Um, You'll be fine. I forgot what I was going to say next. I had something. Um, okay, I guess we'll move to the next quick topic. Oh, I'm sorry. I remember now. Uh, so the date that this podcast is coming out, it'll have already been out for five days. So hopefully everybody's already enjoying Donkey Kong Country. We're talking about it because it's amazing and not everybody's going to know this came out already. But we know. <laughs> if we're your source for information, you it know now too. So... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Super excited. So... I want to talk about a quick topic that could turn into a slightly longer quick topic, but hey, you know, we do our thing. Next-gen AAA games reportedly going to cost $70 as of NBA 2K21's uh, price leak. What do you guys think about that? I'm not surprised. Not even a little bit. (laughs) I just think it's funny that the slew of, like, sporting games, which are known for being such, like, copy-paste type of games. Like, they get (laughs) criticized for that. Like, you can like them, you can not like them, but they're known for being slightly bit more Control-C, Control-V. And the fact that this is the first game that's let out is like, oh, yeah, we're going to cost $70. I just found hilarious. But I kind of expected games to progress into costing more than $60 because games are one of the few select things that as prices steadily rise in the world they've stayed stagnant for like I think it's been like 20-30 years something like that yeah um, a while. it's been definitely since the early two, like early mid 2000s for sure since the 360 time frame it's been steady at $60 for brand new games because I know the GameCube launched a lot of games at like 40-50 range so yeah, that generation a, was still lower. If a game was gonna, if the game prices were gonna rise, they were gonna rise by ten dollars as well because that's mm. how they've done it. Uh, yeah. The game prices before they were sixty dollars were fifty dollars. They do ten dollar jumps, and it just kind of fits the pattern. Unless you include the wild nineties, where the N sixty four carts were anywhere from thirty to seventy dollars. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. It's the only time I can think of where it's like the like you might have a game like Mario Party's forty, and then like a game like Doom on the sixty four was like sixty or something, and it was just like prices were like okay, nobody's gonna make up any kind of standard. We're just gonna be everywhere and all over the place. Right. Beautiful. Exactly like JC said too. Like what's upsetting is these games don't. I mean, I'm sure they take a long time to put out still too, but they're not like building a whole universe, you know all-encompassing map and and campaign and whatever it's like it is a lot of just yeah just import the same physics there and like oh yeah we changed this one thing guys and now this uh this announcer's on there and you know see i'll even give credit to like the call of duty franchise because like call of duty at least they've worked on their engine and changed things every single game they release and they have like three different studios working on it this is like one studio with one engine that they just slowly over time iterate and then I think most of the cost probably comes from the fact that they have players that they have to license the names of I think that's probably the biggest cost that they have which kind of sucks you know because people want the names that's why they buy the games every year 
I right. don't. I don't care anymore. I'm done with like Madden and NBA and all that stuff. Like I, I really haven't bought a new game since Jim Caldwell was the uh, Lions coach. Um, mm. <laughs> uh, but this is the Mamba Forever Edition, and it's ninety nine ninety nine. Do you know what's special about the Mamba Forever Edition? Kobe. Nope. Uh oh. What's special about I- Mamba Forever? is that it's the only version of this game that will automatically upgrade to the next-gen consoles. Oh, wow. Oh, that's kind of scummy. Yes. I thought it was going to be like a Kobe Bryant tribute. Aww. Nope. So that's it. That's the that's the idea. They said if you want to have the next-gen console um, backwards compatibility or upgrade, whatever you want to call it, you have to pay 100 instead of 70 So they're scumming you twice. Yeah, I don't. I like it even less now. <laughs> it's one of the. Um, they've already said like all the sports games will probably cost double to get them on both consoles. Well, and NBA Two K is like, no, nope, we're just going to charge you, you know, a game and a half to have it on both consoles. <sighs> so that's it. That's the whole conversation Amazing. about that, I guess. Um, so on to our main topic, the one that's actually kind of fun, not scummy. Um, Call of Duty Warzone and the rapid player base increase it has seen. I'm going to rattle off some stats here and then we'll talk about it. Um, Call of Duty Warzone is gaining players faster than Fortnite did when Fortnite released. Um, Call of Duty Warzone launched on March 10th, 2020 with 6 million players on launch. It had, in 3 days, 15 million players. In 10 days, 30 million players. In 1 month, it reached 50 million players, reaching 60 million players in 2 months. So it's slowed down a little bit. Um, But in comparison to Fortnite, what took Call of Duty Warzone six months to reach this player player base. Um, it took Fortnite almost two years, um, and it's, but right now Fortnite's sitting at about six times the size of Call of Duty Warzone at 350 million players. Uh, but Warzone's getting all the headlines right now because they just upped their battle royale total player count to 200 players in one battle royale. So that's a pretty massive number of players to be sitting in one match. Um, so, yeah, I played it. It was crazy. I just want to kind of talk about what do you guys think of Call of Duty Warzone as a whole? Uh, you can go ahead, JC, if you want, but it, I do want to touch on it. Too. Sure. It. War, okay. War, the battle royale genre in general is something that really, really needed something like something different with each game in order for a game to get its rite of passage. Um, like how Fortnite did it with building and Warzone's doing it with the Gulag specifically. Like that's the thing that everyone knows. It's so big that like even people that don't play Call of Duty Warzone know about the Gulag. And whether it's similar to mechanics that are in battle, other Battle Royale games or not, um, having something, having something that people can say, oh no, it's not just, uh, walk around, grab loot, and shoot people, there's a little bit more to it. Um, gives It gives Warzone an edge, and the not even to mention that Warzone's a, a large amount of people playing Warzone, I would wager to guess, are people that wanted a more realistic-looking Battle Royale that was just as fancy and just as polished as uh, Fortnite was. I think Fortnite grabbed such a large amount of people. What you said, like three, like three hundred million or something, like something nuts. Yeah, three hundred fifty million players, and that's because 
they they care about their game. It's constantly updated, not even to mention it's free. Warzone is the first game that is backed by such a large publisher that they can keep up with the Fortnite pace, and that's why it's growing so rapidly, because not only is it appealing the same type of way as Fortnite, but it's feeding, it's scratching the itch of people who wanted something not for kids, if that yeah. makes sense. That's a good point. And it's definitely, I mean, that's what I've been playing a lot lately, and I also still think Fortnite's a great game, I'm not gonna lie. I think it's very well well crafted, like you said, it has that different factor with the the building, and they have just done an amazing job consistently keeping it interesting, whether it's used to be like on Reddit, I mean, there was the devs were in communication with the community I mean, people were putting suggestions out and they were like, half the time actually doing them, it was really cool to see that you know, they did some of the the real life where they built like the Dur Burger out in the middle of the desert and paid some actors to pretend to be scientists and like hand out the business cards and you call the phone number and the wavelengths they've scanned look like the take the L dance guy, like I don't know, there was a bunch of crazy <laughs> stuff going on it's like, just imagine me as Charlie from uh, It's Always Sunny, you know, pointing to all the graphs. But they did a lot of that just intense stuff to build the community and the interest and get people talking about it every day. And, you know, now they've put live shows and changed their map consistently and changed just how the game is played, changed the meta every season. And I don't know. It's just such a different animal. I don't... I know that Warzone is blowing up. I know it blew up quick, but like numbers-wise, it blew up about as, as quickly as Apex, you know? And whereas that, I'm pretty sure Apex was at like around 50 million its first month as well, and Apex is still a great game, and it's still got a player base of, you know, around that probably, or probably a little less. I haven't looked in a while, but I don't know. I just think the only thing that's coming that might change the game, apparently they're saying the new Cold War and maybe JC probably knows more about this because you were talking about zombies and stuff, but uh, like they said, the Cold War might be built on the same mechanics as Modern Warfare, so mm -hmm. possibly they can incorporate Warzone into the new duty as well. So maybe it has a chance to contest with Fortnite eventually, but I just think it's a different level. Fortnite is on. They built such an ingrained, and like everyone knows, there's another Call of Duty coming out this year. Mm -hmm. Do you mind if I jump in there on you, Timmy? Yeah, please. Um, I think the biggest thing that for Fortnite had going for it, right, is they were the biggest battle royale. They kind of did it did it above PUBG when PUBG did it, which was a very unpolished battle royale, right. albeit much more realistic, kind of like the Call of Duty, right? It looked more realistic, had more gritty feeling. Complained about it, right? Well, I mean, but I I can tell you this: when PUBG was was popular, I had a bunch of friends, and it still is popular. It's just not as popular amongst many pe most people. Um, right. But I used to have friends be like, I'm going to go play PUBG for five hours. I'm like, what the heck is PUBG? I have no idea what that is. Like, <laughs> but Fortnite, I've been, it's, I've been unable to escape the onslaught of content that Fortnite has been putting out on the internet that I, I just can't escape it. It's all over the place. Culture. Um, yeah. so, but what I will say is when Call of Duty announced they were launching a Battle Royale, um, you're not establishing a new franchise. You're not establishing something that nobody knows about. You're not creating something from nothing you're creating right, something from an established out. from an established right. franchise that already has a massive player base that already enjoys what you're doing to begin with 
You know what I mean? Fortnite mm-hmm. had to build an audience on essentially nothing. Right. Yeah, that's why I don't think you can compare the numbers, like the early oh. day numbers. You know? Yeah, they they Fortnite had to build an audience off of the fact that their game was free and polished. Right. But it didn't work right away, because remember, Fortnite was not always a battle royale. Mm-hmm. It was a zombie Initial. game. Yeah. Right, right. So That was when I was more interested in it. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, eh, not, not the current Fortnite. I like the old... And the old Fortnite technically still exists, I believe. Mm-hmm. And you it's can still play it. like Fortnite Save the World, I yeah. think. World, yeah. So here's the next question. Will Warzone finally be the battle royale to unseat Fortnite as the top dog in battle royale space? Will they continue supporting it (laughs) when the new Call of Duty comes out? Will Warzone become a thing that's not, oh yeah, it's it's like a connector with Modern Warfare. Is it, oh yeah, Warzone is its own free medium now. Which... Technically, it is right now. You can get Warzone for free. You don't have to get Modern Warfare. Right. But if they continue to support it, I'd say it stands a better chance. But there's absolutely no chance if they try to make another, like, do what happened before with Black Ops 4 and, like, have another Blackout. If there's a separate Battle Royale... Of course not, <laughs> because if, if it's built on the same fighting. engine, I, I don't see why they wouldn't combine them like that. You know, yeah. I mean, just That's the play. Have your own multiplayer and keep what you have and continue changing it. You know, they've done some, they've done well recently with like the bunker mm-hmm. stuff. You know, they put bunkers in the game and they was like they didn't tell anybody really how to figure it out. Like the community had to figure it out again. Sure. Reddit uh, it was really fun, kind of following some of those threads and like. You know, guys, my friends learned Russian. You know, they were like, I know how to count to ten in Russian now so I can get into the bunker. And uh, we found a nuke if you push this button. And we don't know what's going to happen. And it's just, it's really cool. They're doing well in that regard, too, but just not on the scale that Fortnite's done. What if they did, like, seasons with the games? Like, they rotated in various time periods and weapons? That that would be another boost. I would, yeah. Like, if they did it, they did, like, a... Uh, when because it's rumored to be called like Black Ops Cold War, right. when Cold when Cold War comes out, if they did like a Cold War event and like for like a week or something, everything in the map like has like an a graphical update or something like that, or right. something changes, and again they just stick the game, they move the game from. Being oh yeah, this is with modern warza with modern warfare to yeah, this is just the Call of Duty battle royale game. Then I think it would be a huge boost, and it stands a lot better chance. But That's what I thought I just, this was when I first saw it coming yeah. out. But I just know that for a fact, when Warzone came out, Blackout died. Right. Yep. Exactly true. It'd be cool, though, if they did continue this on. Like, just because it's called War... I don't think Warzone has to change a name. I don't even think they have to change it. They oh, could no. keep the name Warzone and just rotate in various time periods. Like, they could have a World War II month. And then yeah. when that season's over, then they rotate into a Black Ops month. 
and then when that season's over, they could rotate to World War One and have it even different. You know, I don't know. Just keep the pace changing. It would make it more interesting. It doesn't have to be every month, and they could even have separate playlists if they wanted to. Right. And you see that now with Apex. They've incorporated a new map, and you know, it's sometimes certain weekends they feature maps that only you know or game modes that only have that map and other weeks it's you know two days of this and two days of that or every other game is this map and that's nice it's a nice little way yeah. to keep it fresh i guess too but also this game already takes up a ridiculous amount of space so <laughs> oh yeah like add another map and who knows what else they'll put with that you know so i don't know I'll need to buy a whole another external hard drive just for this game. Warzone's two terabytes. It really is like insanely big. I can't remember what it's up to now after God, that last update. But... It's in like the several hundreds. Oh my right. gosh. That's nuts. Um, what do you guys, uh, what's your thought process on other franchises that could enter the Battle Royale space in a big way like Call of Duty has? I think it's pretty much inevitable. I mean, people, uh, a lot of people are doing it now. I mean, there's already like six or seven more slated to come out. It's just, it's popping. Still, it's not as popular as it was, but it's still going to be a a way, if you have a shooter game or any interesting style of uh, combat game, why not drop a hundred players in and let them all see who's there last, you know? Let's get uh, it Let's yeah, get Assassin's Creed and have the Assassins versus the Templar. Please. Yeah. Do that all day. And then and then it would be cool to have, like, the enemy, te- like, the Templar, as they're walking through. Because it's nice Templars, the bad guys in that game, right? I'm trying to remember. Right. Okay. Yeah. I just want to make sure I'm right. <laughs> um, but it'd be cool to see, like, that mechanic where you go, um, uh, essentially, uh, with incognito like actually physically they'd be literally blending in you'd have to pick them out of the crowd you know go assassinate them it'd be be cool I think Assassin's Creed Battle Royale but really Halo is the one I was going to mention I think Halo Infinite would have a a way to enter the space in a big way with Infinite especially if they have the actual Halo vehicle combat ready to go day one that would be an epic Battle Royale if they don't drop a Battle Royale they're messing up that's all I gotta say there's no reason not to it can't yeah. be that hard to do it. You know, they have the big enough maps for it. Just, yeah, could be amazing. Put it on the old school, what is it, Valhalla? Is that the name of it? Valhalla? Halo, uh, yeah, right. What about just, like, I'd put it on Blood Gulch. Yeah, yeah, that's a good Blood Gulch too. is a classic map. You put yeah, more Valhalla, buildings. it wouldn't work on Valhalla. You put more players. buildings in Blood Gulch, and then it'd work. It's just a huge, like, the huge thing. I'm a huge, um... I'd say older, closer to older school Halo fan, but I don't know. I think I think you're right. I think Halo would be they would miss out of something. Um, it's just they have to find out where their priorities lie. Right. True. Well, um, do you guys have anything the... you want to say about this? Like, I, I'm just picturing like a map where like the Covenant is glassing the planet, and that's how the battle royale space um, is getting smaller. It's... You just made me think of uh, Halo Reach, and there's a map on Halo Reach. It's I think it's called like it's Iron Iron something, and it's it's Reach right before it gets completely glassed, and say, yeah. it fits the description so well. Oh, Iron Rig. 
Is that mm-hmm. it? I don't know. It was a DLC map. Iron Cliff. Halo. <laughs> Reach maps. I don't know. Iron Heart Arena? Flood could be the... Uh... Flood, is it, oh, is this uh, it? Is this it? Too. This one? That's, that's one of them. Just a bunch of spiders coming in <laughs> every direction. <laughs> Why not? It's, I don't know. It's such a good one. No, it's not because that's a Forge World map is the problem. Yeah, but this is where I they, just, they I, have I like the... I might have completely screwed up the name. The, this is like a landscape and then like you have like the open area to work with is essentially what yeah, this is. There, yeah, because there's a... Well, there's an open area in the single thing. Oh, is it called Boneyard? It's called Boneyard. I'm stupid. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's called Boneyard. And it's so big that they did, like, a, a conquest mode. Like, a, it, it's, like, that big of a map. Huh. Oh, yeah, I remember this one. Yeah, see? That's what I'm picturing, so though, because, like, it would explain oh, wow, why okay. the area is getting smaller, because the Covenant would be glassing the planet. Well, you can see hmm. off in the distance yep. that all, right. all the... Just the destruction. I would consider playing that. Like, I'm not big on Battle Royale, but Halo's got such a good Forge mode, and then on top of that, they just have such a good shooter that I would consider playing a Halo Battle Royale. Mm-hmm. I considered hopping on Warzone, but I looked at that install size, the initial install size, and I said, nope. 100 gigabytes? <laughs> That's why I, I got... Looked, I looked it up. It is a straight 100 gigabyte download size. When I, when I uh, originally got Halo just 5... Halo 5 had a 100 gigabyte install on the Xbox One, and I was like, nope. This is not going to stay on after I finish it. <laughs> it's like, nope. But, uh, I mean, they, there's got to be a way to compress these things down, or like maybe, you know, stream some of the graphics as you're playing. I don't know. There's got to be a way to get these file sizes smaller. Although, you know, Activision doesn't really care to. They just like, you know what? Warzone's all you're going to play. Your PC will be dedicated to Warzone. You will buy bigger hard drives. <laughs> They're always corporate overlords. <sighs> They're going to turn you into zombies. Call of Duty zombies. Um, anyways, do you guys have anything else you want to say? I think I said it. Yeah. All right. Well, as always, I'm Chris. And I'm Timmy. I'm JC. And uh, tomorrow you're going to get to hear about Timmy's channel because I screwed up and didn't tell you about it this week. But <laughs> Don't tell before, him. Before Don't we finish out, before we finish this out, what do you do, Timmy? Uh, I make internet doo-doo content where I cover interesting people and things and, you know, maybe maybe you find it interesting too. There's just no way of knowing. Definitely go watch uh, his uh, world politics video. Yeah, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, that's, I guess my new one. He's just like straight-faced. I have no I idea what this is. <laughs> yep. Um, well, as always, we'll see you on the next uh, Krillcast. Yeah. This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Timmy. And I'm JC. And today is Tuber Tuesday. 
And uh, for Tuber Tuesday, we always cover a YouTuber, but since I've got two guests today, I'm going to let them each talk about their channels before we get started. Um, since I totally ghosted Timmy last episode, why don't we have Tim go first this time? Oh well, uh, I'm Timmy, and I make uh, just, you know, random, random videos. Uh, cover internet happenings, interesting people and things, and, you know, it's about it. Things that I find interesting. Maybe you will, too. Maybe you won't. There's just no way of knowing. <laughs> I'm picturing that song from Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. There's no way you're knowing. <laughs> Anyways, uh, go check out Timmy's stuff. Um, definitely go check out. He's got stories from history. He's got stories from, you know, internet stuff like world politics. He's got stuff about, uh, you know, current con- current world about, you know. issues and the televangelist solving them. You know, whatever. Whatever you're yeah. fancy. Uh, how about you, JC? What do you do? So, my channel, um, basically, I do film for the shorter, like, little bit less common projects, but every single week on YouTube, I'm streaming a video game. Right now, it's always having something to do with zombies, but uh, in the future, I'm probably going to start branching out and just playing different video games that people want me to see. But I'm, I'm always just so proud of uh, the short films and just making film in general. Yeah, definitely go check out uh, his his short films and his. You got like a whole season of zombies videos that you did. Yeah. So, also a three time world record holder called Duty Zombies. You know. You what? Kind of a big deal. <laughs> kind I'm of not. a big deal. I'm not. <laughs> uh, no. But today is not about Timmy. It's not about JC. It's not even about me. It's about the completionist. Um, I'm not sure how long you guys have been watching him, but I'm going to rattle off some stats here for everybody else to hear before we launch into some discussion. So, The Completionist currently has 1.32 million subscribers. That's quite a few. Um, and in his About Me, which we always look at, it shows that he has almost 220 million views. That's a lot of views. Originally joined YouTube on January 5th, 2012, and originally... As you'll see in the URL to his channel, it was called That One Video Gamer. That was the original name of the channel before he rebranded as The Completionist. I'm not going to get into the backstory on that because I know it's a, a little bit spicy and we're not going to talk about it. But um, <laughs> the description of his channel is Gerard Khalil. I think I pronounced that right. Is not just another social media influencer. He's The Completionist. Gerard doesn't simply beat a game, but complete it and has been doing so every week for the last eight years. Through his cultivated skills as both a theater and film major, Gerard produces premium content using cherished classics or brand new games. Join Gerard as he shares his journey of completing and celebrating hundreds of video games. And then he's got some information about his team and, uh, you know, sending stuff to the completionist. So that's cool, too. Um, What is he known for? In my mind, when I created this outline, I wrote down that he's known for finishing games to 100% completion status. He is known for his top 10 video game lists of varying, uh, varying quality and varying uh, you know, subjects and topics. And he's generally a very charismatic man on the internet. Very likable guy in the gaming community. Very positive guy in general. Um, he very rarely goes negative in a video, and when he does, he usually has good reason for it. So, what is the completionist's first or usually oldest video on the channel because a lot of us you know 
delete our first videos because <laughs> not necessarily the quality we're used to. Um, but his first video on the internet that still exists was from five years ago, and it's called Excellent Games That Don't Exist. I thought this was kind of an interesting video, um, especially since literally the whole point is games that don't actually exist. So... I think it's interesting that uh, in his description says he's been doing it every week for eight years. He had to pull a bunch of his videos down. That's why I'm not was not going to get into that portion. Ah, uh, I missed that part. Yeah. Oof. Anyways, um, so yeah, these are apparently games that don't exist. I thought it was an interesting video to be the first video on his channel. Kind of like when we covered Peanut Butter Gamer, and his first video was just kind of an oddball topic, like top ten. Uh, it was like. Top 10 somethings, and it was like something you would never think of. It's like, oh, hmm. So, excellent games that don't exist. It was uh, it's an interesting topic that uh, not many people were probably covering in 2014. So, Good what choice. is his most popular video? You guys got to guess without looking at the screen. Uh. Memorize the script. <laughs> It's actually something I wasn't expecting. Um, the third, yeah, the third highest video I kind of expected, because even like Arlo, his, one of his biggest videos is Breath of the Wild. Now, what's different between Arlo and the Completionist is this dude took it upon himself to literally collect every last thing in Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild, including the over nine hundred Korok seeds, and. <laughs> If you watch the video, he gets very angry about the fact that when you collect all of them, it basically does nothing for you. He was like, this is pointless! <laughs> it was so great, like, just watching him just like... <laughs> but um, his actual most uh, most viewed, most popular video is a music video, which it appears that a lot of these big YouTubers, when they make something musically... Somehow it becomes their most popular video. People just like music and they can listen to it multiple times and still get entertainment out of it. Whereas like a video where you're completing a video game, I bet there's a at least a few less people willing to watch that video multiple times, you know. Once you've seen it once, you've seen it all the way through. So this is his most popular video. Big Bad Bosses B three. Angel official music video. And he's done a several of these. This is the twenty sixteen one. He did one in like 2018 too, and probably the other years that I just didn't. Whoops, that's oldest. I want most popular, but that's not really what he's known for. His content is the, like I said, the completion, the 100% completion stuff. So, mm -hmm. before I literally drone on for another 10 minutes and don't let you guys talk at all, why don't you tell everybody what you like about his channel? Go ahead, JC. His channel, uh, I think the the main thing I can get out of his channel is it allows me to live vicariously through him. Uh, I do not, I'm not a completionist. Uh, I think I've completed like two games 100% in my life. And one of those was a game that if you beat the campaign, you get all the achievements. <laughs> so having someone who's willing to beat the game, tell you what you get for doing everything, and put in that time and effort to make it accessible is an admirable trait. I agree with that 100%. Uh, I can tell you one of the games I did complete 100%. Pokemon Blue. 151 Pokemon. 
found out that, uh, and if I would have watched this video on it, I probably wouldn't have went through the painstaking effort of tracking down another cartridge, trading Pokemon back and forth. <laughs> but all you get is a little certificate in, uh, I think it's Celadon City, in the marketplace building that says, congratulations, you've collected all the Pokemon. And I'm like, you did it. Yay. <laughs> so there's that. Um, but I also appreciate his top ten videos. I don't know if you've watched a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I was actually expecting, like, I guess, I mean, his most popular video was about bosses, but I thought, like, thinking about a, like, a top ten boss video would have been a lot higher up than it was, because people like those types of rankings. Uh, I was surprised that it didn't go up there. Like, something like Best Games of 2019 gets 500,000 views, but here's the thing. When you do a top 10 of best games of 2019, best game of 2018, by the time you hit 2021, nobody's thinking about 2019 anymore. You know, very few people go back and watch that video. That's very true. And then when he releases best games of 2020, by the time you hit 2022, same thing, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of these videos are evergreen, especially his completionist content. So, for example, uh, Super Mario Sunshine. That's an evergreen video. I mean, he made this video a week ago. It's about a game that came out on the GameCube. People still watch this. 260,000 people in one week have watched this video. It's clear that Mario, even old Mario, draws a wide appeal for people to watch the video. The Completionist channel is an evergreen channel. People can come back and watch the content anytime, any day, any year. Except for some of his videos, like say, top 10 video games of 2019. People are not likely to go back and watch that necessarily. Or my reaction to the PlayStation 5 reveal event. He puts these in every once in a while, right? Oh my gosh, he did Combat Evolved. I'm (laughs) going to watch this at some point. I'm so excited to go back and watch this now. Holy cow. (laughs) That is awesome. (laughs) One of the first what I would consider mainstream games with any kind of zombies in it, right? The Flood. Mm. So, anyways, The Completionist is full of games of all ranging varieties and everything you can think of. I mean, he, anything from Halo to RPGs to JRPGs to Mario. Yeah, like, this guy games. covers his variety yeah, of games. His variety is a strength, I think. Oh, Definitely. So, what are some and things... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, he's just a likable character, too, you know? He's oh, yeah. Good, good persona. Charismatic guy. As you say it, it. As you say it completely uncharismatically. I know. <laughs> he's I got, a cool I'm guy. Getting a headache, I'm not going to lie. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, dude. Oh, you're good, man. Push through it. It'll be okay. Push through it. Understand. Get there. All right. So, what are some things that the completionist could potentially do that would increase his viewership or make himself even wider appeal. Is there anything that you can think of? Does he stream anywhere at all? If he streams on Twitch or something, maybe. I believe he's got super He does. He does. Yeah. I mean, no, then I can't think of anything. Uh, Super Beard Bros is different. I thought it was... um... I think he's the strength of being he has the he has the strength of being a channel where what he covers is always like 
it's always going to have a place. Mm-hmm. People will always want to see a game being 100 percented. Um, and so what he's doing is something that I don't think necessarily his formula needs to be improved upon. Yeah, super transparent what he's doing, what he's about. I mean, and like just like Chris just did right there, he's scrolling through his videos like, oh no, he did this. Like, I gotta watch that. Like, <laughs> that's exactly what he's trying to do. That's if you trap. look through his videos, you're going to find something that you've played and probably didn't 100% and be like, oh, I'll watch this, see what he did here. I think he's slowly finding his stride with producing more content that's not necessarily the full-blown videos that he does. Because mm-hmm. if you look, he's got an Assassin's Creed Valhalla first look video. And then before that, he's got Braid, Time Means Nothing, as a completionist video. Then he's got the Super Mario Sunshine, then top 10 video. I think, so I know a while back, he put out a video that said, my channel is slowly dying, and I can't figure out why. And I think this is his answer to that. He's come up with these shorter, or maybe not shorter, but um, far less edited reaction videos um, in between his main big completionist videos, also throwing in more top 10s, kind of some random discussions in there. I think the fact that he's varied up his content to produce more videos more often has helped his channel regain some of the following that it had years ago. So he's definitely on the upswing again, which is good. I'm happy to see that. And uh, maybe he could have used this review video a while back instead of now. (laughs) When when he was trying to figure that all out. (laughs) Uh, He's got a huge community presence, so I can't can't really fault that. His thumbnails are amazing. Sometimes his thumbnails are hard to read. That's maybe my only complaint. Like this Kingdom Hearts one, I can read the completionist, but like Kingdom Hearts, I have a hard time reading that specific word when the thumbnail gets shrunk down. Uh, but you can always tell it's him. Like the art is always him. The beard, the hair, you know. Right. You can mm-hmm. all even on SpongeBob. <laughs> I love the artwork on his channel. Um, yeah, he's. I think if I remember correctly, he's one of the people where. He's the one do. He's the one like heading the video, but like the thumbnail is done by someone. I think he has someone do audio and stuff like that. And yeah, he's one of those channels that's kind of progressed into. He's got this huge amount. Of, I wouldn't say huge amount, but he's got a good amount of people backing him, and that allows him to capture a bit more magic with everything because he gets to focus on completing the game. And someone else gets to focus on making the thumbnail magic, and someone gets to focus on just each of them can pitch in and make the channel more than one person ever could. Yeah, that's totally. Like, if we ever got to a point where the channel was big enough, of course we would have somebody doing thumbnails for us, and I wouldn't be continuously doing them on MS Paint, regardless of how magical that is. Um, but you could, like, it's just so clear his branding, and I can't take anything away from him other than occasionally. I see on a thumbnail where I, I have a hard time reading it just because the thumbnails get shrunk down so far and the font is thematically matched to whatever's going on in the background. Like the Sekiro, you can see it's the Sekiro logo or Twisted Metal. That's just a hard one to read to begin with. It has nothing to do with the completionist. It's just that is just a hard title to read the way Twisted Metal's actual font is done. Whereas mm-hmm. like Tetris 99, the logo is really easy to read, you know? So... Like I said, there's nothing. I have nothing against his thumbnails. I love them. I just think that some of his thumbnails are hard to read. That's all. 
Tom. I think it'd be cool to see some more collabs by some of his normal boots uh, collaborators to begin with. Like maybe get some more videos with Peanut Butter Gamer in there. That'd be kind of cool to see some of that. Uh, but other than that, I don't really have a good recommendation for him. I just really enjoy his content. I enjoy the format. I enjoy the flow to his videos. And I think he's a super likable guy, and I'd gladly have him on the podcast. You know, hint, hint. Um, <laughs> I know he's got a lot of stuff going on, so he probably doesn't have the time for it. But if he did, I would totally love it. So here's the fun part. What are our predictions for his channel going forward? I would say he's just one of the channels that's on... Sadly, I wouldn't say it's a... Uh, a very large increase, but I'd say he's going to be one of the channels that's always going to be steadily increasing and he always has a really, really strong group of people behind him, and that's going to make him not necessarily top off of, be the top of YouTube, but it's going to make him last the test of time. Kind of like um, an AVGN who's just still around after all this time, you know. Mm-hmm. That channel will never die, <laughs> and he's probably ingrained. Like when you think For of completing, reason. when you think of completing video games, you go right to the completionist, right? Most he's, for the most part, it's his niche. Yeah, I bet you he hits 1.5 million subscribers by this time next year, at the latest. That's that's fair. That's Unless fair. he hits like some random super viral completionist yeah, video. Yeah, he can always hit gold. But I think if if anything else, he'll hit one point five by this time next year, and probably two by the by the following year at the least. You know, he's just a steadily growing channel that'll always steadily grow. He's got the evergreen right. content to support it. People are always going to be discovering his videos. Like, hey, how do I do this in Breath of the Wild? Completionist. How do I do this in Super Mario Sunshine? Completionist. It's just it's a guy that can tell you exactly what it's going to take. You know, even Persona Five, he completed that, which that's not a fun one to do if you're trying to like just complete the game. You know, like I would not take that on myself anytime soon. But um, RPGs in general just take a lot longer to complete, especially given his output. (laughs) Right. So one a week. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, he he tends to slice in like some smaller ones that he can do quicker while he's doing right. a bigger one in the background. Like Breath of the Wild, I have to imagine that was like, yeah. no way, that went a couple yeah. months. <laughs> anyway, um, Gerard, love your channel. Love to have you on the podcast sometime. Hopefully, we just keep seeing your channel go up, 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 up. You know, two million, ten million, whatever. As always, I'm Chris, and I'm Timmy. I'm JC. And we will see you on the next Krillcast. Bye, guys. This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris. And I am not Will. I'm, I'm Timmy, okay? I'm not Will. He I'm might be Harambe. 
And we have Harambe joining us in the background. As well. Yes. Hey. JC. Why don't you tell everybody about your hey. channel, JC? So, uh, my channel is a... I would say... 50-50 split between I do like film, cameras, stuff like that. I make my own short films and post them on YouTube, but I also stream every single week. Right now I'm streaming Call of Duty Zombies, um, working even more specifically with Call of Duty Zombies World Records, and just in the future I'm going to start expanding into doing whatever games people on my channel want me to live stream, but I live stream every single week. And he's unboxing something apparently badly, according oh, to his. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Okay, yes. yeah, you should watch that. <laughs> <laughs> you might be What's in that box? It's a it's a lens. Oh. It's a camera lens. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, they sent me a camera lens. Cool. Or they didn't send me. I bought a camera. Lens. I was gonna say, wait, what? I'm you not gonna send this. That would be amazing. They, I sent them money, and they sent me this. Yes, I sent them money. Sponsored video. Sent... Sponsored. <laughs> Um, anyways, but yeah, yeah, cool. Timmy, what do you do? Uh, I have a cooking channel where I, uh, talk about, wait, uh, oh, my main, my main channel. Yeah. Sorry. You didn't know <laughs> wait, do you actually have a cooking channel? No, I don't actually. Okay. I was going to say, I was going to just gonna ramble for a while and I decided, you know, with the headache, it, which wasn't a good idea. Uh, <laughs> I just cover, uh, you know, random internet doo-doo. Uh, 4chan sometimes. It's a crusty place, but I get in there. I, uh, I've i dabbled, okay? Reddit, and some of my last ones on uh, some shenanigans there with world politics subreddit, turning into a bunch of anime bad words I'm not going to say on the Grillcast. <laughs> oh yeah, I talked about Alex Trebek, a legend. Legendary human being. Very interesting guy. Probably the best years in broadcast. The best you know? Alex Trebek biography on the internet. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. But if only the internet knew that. You know? How have you not covered the Harambe situation ever? I mean, what's to be said? We know what happened. Look, everybody knows who Alex Trebek is, but you could do it better. But they didn't know that he looked like that. Look at that guy. Yeah. Ooh. And that stash. I didn't know that he's, you know, well, probably they knew he was Canadian, but, uh, you know, he's just, he's been broadcast for, for almost 60 years. Yeah. Pretty wild. Go check it out, guys. YouTube.com slash T-E-L-L-M-E-M-O-R-E-T-M-M, and go click on Alex Trebek. All right. And then, but after you do that, go watch this bad unboxing, apparently, of, uh... Oh, no. Go back, like, 30 seconds. <laughs> then you'll get to the good part. Where you're no. doing the axe? Yeah. Yes. Well, do we want to spoil? Do we want to spoil? <laughs> oh <Yes>. dear lord! <laughs> okay, that's good. <laughs> that's great. That is exactly how you do that's it. That's exactly how it should end. Just me like this, being like, "That's enough right now." <laughs> All right, so we're not here to talk about the completionists. We're here to talk about next gen video consoles, video console, video game consoles. Holy cow! What did I do? Um, so, what are the consoles coming Picture out? Picture games. Picture games. I'm, I'm not going to shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> Full FMV games. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so we got the Nintendo Switch is already out. That's the next-gen Nintendo console, right? So that's there. We already know about the Nintendo Switch. So what's there to say about the Nintendo Switch? It exists. It's wildly popular. And both the PS5 and the Xbox Series X are going to have to compete with it. All right? Fun. 
fun fact about the Nintendo Switch, it is on track to pass the Wii as Nintendo's top-selling product. But not its top-selling portable. Mm-mm. The DS, 155 million, 154 million sales. Uh, the PS2, it also won't pass that, 155 million sales. Uh, probably won't pass the PS4. Wow. Anyways, PS5 releasing in two different models: a disc-based model and a digital-only model. What do you guys think about that? Go ahead. I like options. <laughs> I like options. I don't think they're good options. <laughs> There's uh, that. So it's like a whole thing of um, the a, a big thing with people is PS5 is going to allow you to play uh, backwards compatible games. But if you have those games on a disc, you're kind of uh, screwing yourself. And it, it, it hurts a little bit to think about that. It's like, okay, do I want to... Do I want to save a little bit of money, or do I want to be able to play the games that I own? And it's kind of like a pseudo-choice. It's a not really a choice for a lot of people. And I feel like it's going to lead to heartbreak for little Timmy when uh, he saves up his money, and then his parents are like, oh, you're not responsible enough to do it, and they go out and they buy the non-disc version because it's cheaper, and he doesn't have money to get discs, or not. He doesn't have money to rebuy games or get more games, and he's just going to be sitting there with his new useless console. <laughs> I mean, that's a fair yeah. thought. Um, I think though, I don't know. I don't think there's going to be that big of a price difference between. I hope not, because if there is. I ain't buying it day one. I ain't buying it day one anyways. I think the design looks stupid. I love the P- the PlayStation brand. I really play a lot of PlayStation games. Um, I basically would be... I'm not going to lie. I probably won't buy an Xbox unless something that doesn't come to PC is enticing enough for me to buy an Xbox. Um, but the PS5, I probably will end up buying. I just won't buy it in its current form factor. I don't like a folder surrounding a network router. I think it looks stupid. Oh, no. You just hate the design that much? I don't like the white part of it, honestly. That's pretty intense. This. I think it's just funny how they swapped color palettes. It is strange. Because the Xbox went full black, and now the right. PlayStation is going white. That is true. I mean, but the original Xbox One was full-blown black, too. True. I guess. I know that yeah. most people have an Xbox One S, which is the white model, but... Mm-hmm. It's just Xbox know. has been the one, the console that you think of is like, okay, that one could be white. Because <laughs> of the of 360. You don't think of another color. No, you right? don't. I do not like this. Down to my very core, this color <laughs> I scheme. noticed. I heard Something that. makes your core just shudder. It's an inverted Oreo. I don't like it. Kind of like it. <laughs> when they release the sleek all black model, I'll think about it. Uh, fun fact about the controller, though, um, and the texture they used on all of the different pieces. The texture that you see there, that that rough feature, is actually a bunch of PlayStation symbols. Really? Yeah. And on the back of the controller, it's the same thing. The grips are actually just a bunch of PlayStation symbols put on top of each other. 
I think the mm. PlayStation 5 is the most enticing of the new consoles coming out, except I'm not going to buy it day one. There is zero chance I will buy this day one. There's no reason to right now, is there? No. I haven't seen a game that I really feel has pushed me to the edge of my seat. I need to buy this console. Whereas if Xbox said, yep, Halo Infinite is only coming to the console, and that game turns out to be a, a, a big you know, banger of a title, that might have enticed me. But it's coming to PC, so what do I care? <laughs> like, I guess I'm just going to buy the PC version. You know, I don't need... You know, anyways, but PlayStation, I definitely won't buy a digital version of anything. So it'll be definitely the, the disc-based version. 100%. Yeah, I'm old school in that regard, too. I like, and I know, like, it's not going to be that way forever. Honestly, the next generation after this one probably will not even give you a disc drive, to be yeah, honest. We'll see. I mean, I, I still know, was like, able, I was able to find. Up and just going. Yeah, exactly. You still, you still like can't that do that because you have to install every game you buy anyways. Right. Uh, but if I have the choice to have a disc, I'm going to buy a disc or a cartridge. You know, same. I like to hold it. Although I will um, say, right now, what's going on with my Xbox is my disc drive is going out, so I have to like, oof. You know, if I was all digital, if I had digital Call of Duty, I wouldn't have to uh, finagle it and push it in with a piece of paper and turn it off and turn it back on. So what I have heard about that, and just if, you, if I don't know if this will help you or not, but I've heard from many, many, many sources that if the Xbox disc drive is having issues. Um, sometimes it's software based and it's hard drive based, so just swapping out that hard drive might fix it. Interesting. Somebody I did switched. get a new disk drive because it's something to do with the feed. Like when I put it the disk in oh. by itself, it just doesn't feed all the way in. Gotcha. And uh, then I realized it's a total process because, of course, now they do the same thing that everyone does, where they pair certain parts with only that motherboard, and you have to, you know, work around that kind of thing. So. It's going to be a process, and when I, the one day that it doesn't actually work, when I mess around with it long enough, I'm going to have to just break down and try and switch it out. To be fair, which which Xbox model do you have? Uh, an old, the original white uh, Xbox One. I don't even know, dude. I the original, so the, the the big fat white one. Oh yeah, but <laughs> there's not that many of those. Those are actually kind of rare. Yeah. Sorry. We're way off track here. Next-gen yeah. consoles. Um, I think it's fascinating that even into this gen, we still have every console with a disk drive in some various format other than the two we're going to talk about at the end here. And then the Switch still has cartridges. And <laughs> I did see a comment on Reddit the other day that gave me pause. It was like, why did Nintendo ever use discs? What a bunch of dummies. They should have stuck to cartridges. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Look like every console with a disc for Nintendo has failed. All the cartridge consoles, spot on, fantastic, <laughs> top performers. I'm like, I mean, I guess, but the Wii, the Wii exists. <laughs> like, there's that. Yeah. That is number one, right? Yeah. So, for now. And then, like, the N64 only sold, you know, like 24 million or something, or 32 million or something like that. So, I mean, it was a, it sold well, but it wasn't, like, perfect by any means. Oh. It was perfect. I mean, perfect in you know, know. financial sales aspect. Right. You know I was going to say that. <laughs> what do we think the next-gen pricing is going to be? I mean, it's changed significantly in the predictions I've seen, um, especially since 
now that we're going to think about the Xbox here for a second, the Xbox supposedly is coming in two models day one, which we still haven't seen the Xbox Series Lockhart. I think they're okay with losing money on their actual console price. Yeah, yeah that's, the, that's the real dependent thing is, are they going to take a loss in order to have people think it's affordable? Because it, it's rumored that it's like, you'd need to sell the console for seven to eight hundred dollars in order to cover costs right which at that point you're getting a low-end pc i think that's the point though microsoft wants to be your your they want to take in a gaming market but also have pc features like i think windows and xbox are doing this slowly but surely to the point where you could have office 365 on this box right there's a new dell like, I mean, why at this point, Microsoft is selling you this to sell you Xbox Live, sell you their video game software. And if they could get in like the PC products on there, can you imagine the market share they would have if the Xbox Series X is, is financially successful? You could have mm-hmm. subscriptions for Windows or Microsoft Office 365 built into the Xbox marketplace. Like, right. It's a win-win in my opinion because a lot of people don't want to have... If you're buying a console, do you really want a PC? Like, are most of the people buying consoles also hardcore PC players? No. Most of them aren't. If you could get all of your computing tasks on your Xbox, and then, like, when you're done, like, all right, I'm done doing finances for the day. Time to game. Like, that'd just be so convenient. You know, I just... I, I can't see that being a bad choice for them as long as they focus on gaming and make that a feature. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. It's inevitable that those worlds are colliding. You're already seeing it with the the last version. I mean, the Surface. The Surface is a perfect example where Windows, Microsoft together, has combined their hardware and software to almost a perfect combination. You know, it's like the perfect portable Windows machine. And if they could make something like that where they had like the perfect console Plus, it had extra features to be a perfect low-end PC. Boom. You know? Yep. I mean, if you could be like, all right, guys, I know you all want to get a new console, but hey, this can also do your PC stuff. Grab that mouse and keyboard. Get your Excel sheets going. Yeah, <laughs> that's what's up. <laughs> I mean, I'm yeah, sure they won't I, do that. but I do think you're right, though. I mean, I almost think it's going to take a few big select titles being only exclusive to consoles to push several more users to actually just get off PC and probably continue with PC, obviously, but actually commit to one of these two consoles. I mean, there's like a a market share of like 50 million Xbox One users, right? So you want to convert instantly all of those people to the Xbox Series X as quickly as possible. That's the goal, right? right? And then build the audience from there. So what are they doing right They've got backwards compatibility all the way back to the original Xbox. So even people that have OG Xbox games can use this console day one. They've got Xbox Game Pass, which is a super awesome feature. They've got a supposedly affordable price. And if they add in low-end PC or or just PC computing to this or have a sideload of Microsoft Office products, I, I can't see this being a bad thing to own. Right. Especially if you don't want to buy a PC. It could be like the Everyman's console, not a PC player. Mm -hmm. Now, the PS5, what does it have going for it? A slew of really good first-party titles that are not available on PC. 
It's got um, backwards compatibility with the PS4, which is the most successful console of the last generation. It's got, uh, you know, Sony's proprietary technology for VR that you have to pay extra for. But it is a feature. You can get VR directly on the console just like you can on the PS4, right? And, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's all I've got right now on that. Oh, PS Now. PS Now is a thing. Um, PS Now is a nice service. Hopefully it uh, converts nicely to the next gen. But uh, I've never thought of PS Now as being a good competitor to uh, Xbox Game Pass because mm-hmm. they supplement PS Now with PS3, PS2, and I don't think they brought PS1 games to PS Now yet, but I could be wrong about that. The biggest issue I see there is PS Now is not equivalent to Game Pass when it comes to Gen 7, Gen 7, which is PS3 emulation. They can't do it. So PS Now essentially streams PS3 games. Whereas the Xbox One, you can download every generation of game available on the surf- service and install it directly to your PC. So, What do you think is going to win the console war? Xbox or PS5? I honestly think PS5, but I'm an Xbox guy, so... It just saddens me to say, you like the titles. I know you don't like the trench coat, but it's a slapping ass. It's, uh, that's a good looking console, man. It's weird. I feel like no matter what, people are gonna hate on it, though. You know, I mean, people are gonna hate on both. It's just a brick. You got the fridge and the network router. Yeah, right. It, yeah, I think honestly, I think Xbox is doing better in their console, but PS, PlayStation. It, Xbox, uh, a really big factor is going to be how many people want to jump, convert from the PlayStation 4 to the Xbox X, Series X. Because if, if they if they don't want to and they just want to stay with something that is more familiar, PlayStation 5's got it in the bag. But I, I feel like if we were talking about the um, Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3 we'd be having the opposite conversation where we're like, will people be willing to jump from the 360 to the PlayStation 4, which people did. That is true. So it all depends. It all depends. Does PlayStation uh, mess up? Or does Xbox really hit a stride? We'll find out. And the PS5 is a massive behemoth of a console if you've ever seen the size comparison. It's huge. It's taller than the Xbox Series X, and it's it's got a bigger depth to it too. It's it's a huge proportionally, even bigger. Like the Xbox Series X looks big. This thing is like it takes the whole cake. It's like a Blu-ray player from 2007. It's huge. Mm-hmm. The Xbox Series X looks big just naturally. The PS5 is big. Yes, exactly. So. Interesting. Aside from the two major players, which we fully expect to sell millions and millions of consoles, there's uh, two uh, older brands that can make their way into the console market. Uh, One of them being the Atari VCS, and that's shipping November, December against the Xbox Series X and the PS5, which is not a good time frame to try and release a console, but oh well, that's the old school version. Um, This is uh, the Atari VCS. We've talked about it once on this channel before. I'm going to go to GameStop. They've actually got the SKUs up, so we'll just do that. (laughs) Go get my old Atari out, but 
and my Intellivision. This is a console that started out being called the Atari Box, and it has since evolved into the Atari VCS. Uh, this is the model that most people, if they were going to purchase this console, would probably buy because it comes with both the classic controller and the classic... I will say this. The joystick on this thing that they created for this console is epic. It's super freaking cool if it actually works as well as they've shown on video. <laughs> the other one, you know, it's just it's your standard, you know, modern controller with a red color scheme, the Atari color scheme to it. But this thing has light-up lights depending on where you're at. And then the actual joystick itself can spin for different various um, actions hmm. you want to use. Also has a couple extra buttons on it. Uh, it's, it's interesting. But for $380, I can probably go pick up the low-end version of the PS5 and the Xbox Series S or whatever they call the new Xbox. So who's going to pick a budget Linux console for $380 over... Sony and Microsoft's offerings, or even the Switch, which is a hundred dollars cheaper. Like, who, who's going to pick this over those consoles? Nostalgia people. True, but uh, I mean, it, so it launches with a hundred games, hundred Atari games built in. So that, that, there's some value there. But these are games you could get and emulate on any computer or any service or any console previous to this. On top of that, they're touting the fact that you can install a separate operating system on this thing. At like a co, essentially a co-operating, you can make this into essentially a low-end computer. I don't know how well it's going to perform that way, but it can do it. Uh, and like what? I, that's what they're saying because I think they ran, they were having a hard time licensing games to it to show like, hey, install Windows and put Steam on it. Like, okay, but that at that point, like, it's just right. Steam box. At that point, it's a discount Xbox. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, uh, this is actually coming out. Uh, it's coming out November, December time frame. They've already showed shipping pallets of these things physically existing, so you know that they're coming. Um, but I just don't know who this system is for at this point. You know, it was meant for like yeah, only the the deep nerds. I feel, which I might actually buy this by saying. That, <laughs> so. Well, if you do, I want to know what you think about it. I will. It's a it's a three year story at this point. They've been chronic. They've been trying to put this thing out for three years. This would be a good tell me more episode at some point wow. about how this uh, how this thing came to be but I think it, the, the actual <laughs> the aesthetics of this thing are cool I like the way it looks I think it's very pleasing to the eyes but I just don't know why I would buy it <laughs> on the other hand there is another console doing something very different that we've talked about before and I actually find I might actually buy one of these because um, it is just so different from everything else I've seen coming out lately. It's the Intellivision Amico. Um, it's got, it comes with two controllers that sit in a dock on top of the console. They got a little touch screen on the top and a dial and then several side buttons and gyros like a Wii controller do, does, do, does, does do. Um, and it comes with six, six games right out the gate. And because it's doing something very different, they're selling their games for 3 to $10 Ooh. and helping to fund all the indie games that will be coming out to this console. And it's meant for every game being E for everyone in co-op. So it brings back couch co-op to like a ret- more of a retro feel. And mm. it's backed by Tommy Tallarico, if you know who that is. It's a cool name. <laughs> Tommy he, Tallarico. He was on some yeah, of the video game programs thing. before. So It looks, like it's a Nokia throwback. And an iPad, had, or a, uh, the old iPod had a baby. <laughs> um... 
sorry. I almost. I mean, it looks. I'm interested. I, I like. I like in television. I'll just show you the quick little uh, video they've got out here, so you can kind of see. This is Tommy. Uh, let me see if I can find that. Is that Tommy? That's Tommy Tallarico. He's the CEO. Good dude, Tommy. I thought Tommy they had a Tallarico. You know what? I take it back. They have the uh, video of this thing in a different. I think Review Tech USA. He's got a video. Anyways, I'm not going to delve into this. There's like a whole crowd following this thing, both positive and negative. I'm personally in more of the positive camp on this, just because they're doing something so different that I'm intrigued and I'm thinking about picking it up. Heck yeah. So the the thing that I think is most interesting that def- that kind of differentiates this from other consoles is instead of trying to compete directly with Microsoft, Sony, and even Switch, they're like, nah, we're just going to do something different. Kind of like how the Wii was like, we're just not even going to compete with Xbox and PS3 at the time. Like, So this is kind of like that console. They're like, we're just not even going to compete. We're going to do our own thing. And hopefully we'll be successful. And that was the Wii's whole strategy. So I'd say there's a yeah. potential that they could be very successful. There's also potential they could fall flat on their face. We don't know until it comes out. But I don't know. It's just uh, they're not Nintendo. Will it <laughs> Same with Atari, next, I wonder. Will it be the next Wii or the next Soldier Boy console? <laughs> the true well, question. I would say, will it be the next Wii and compare it to like a different console that, that like the Dreamcast will it be the next Dreamcast where it has like the backing of a, of a really great company but still doesn't manage to get a market share are you discounting the Soldier Boy name? I am discounting I'm not even going to put that in because the Soldier Boy console came out and it was garbage <laughs> this thing at least looks like it's going to work very well I just don't know who, oh who it will work for like who's yeah, going to buy this not, thing not, not sure the market yeah, exactly. That that was the question we had before. The market for this console probably exists, but do they know about it, and are they going to buy it? So, uh, and then you know, with all of this being said, why not just get a PC? What's the point of getting any of these consoles? What do you guys think? I feel like more people are doing that now. I mean, as far and that's totally just you know my my circle. So. I don't haven't seen the actual statistics on it, but a lot of my friends have just switched to PC straight up now that everything's mm-hmm. cross party or compatibility, and you know, no reason not to be able to upgrade whatever you're doing instead of bound to your frame rate and you know, just a different game. The PC yeah, market. It's... If you see this article, yeah. first growth since 2011. Really? Yep. There you go, bud. It's a thing, and like, as, as, as if P, if more and more people get past the stigma that like you have to spend five thousand dollars <laughs> on a PC, because so many people, I get amazed by the amount of people that think you have to do that still. And is a thing of if you know where to look, you can do stuff. You just have to be smart. You have to be patient. I built my first PC for three hundred dollars. And it worked just as well, like it worked just as well as a console, except I could grab what I wanted. You just have yeah. to, you just have to be patient. And you have to keep a watchful eye on those internet marketplaces. Alibaba, no. <laughs> I have bought some components from Alibaba. I just found out Wish my. Com. 
micro SD card that I bought from there like five years ago that's supposed to be 128 gigs is probably not 128 gigs. It's probably like, you know, 50. Um, but <laughs> for $12, you can't go wrong. Uh, like you said, if you can find the right place to get a, either secondhand parts, you know, slightly used or, you know, you got a friend that's deciding to go upgrade to 2020 PC and he has a 2017 PC and you're like, hey, I'll take that. You know, you can get into the PC game relatively cheap. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to spend an arm and a leg. Yeah. So I can definitely see people, if, if these consoles come out at $600, if you look and see a gaming desktop that happens to sit on, you know, uh, not ThinkGeek, that's the wrong website, Newegg. If you go to Newegg and you see a $600 <laughs> gaming PC, are you really feeling like you're going to go buy a console? You know, I mean, if you don't want the hassle, maybe. But as the pricing gets closer and closer together... I think people yeah. are more likely to buy a PC because it can do more things, even if it's more of a hassle. Yeah, more options, exactly. And upgradable, I mean, if what you're buying is not, or things not integrated into it. So, realistically, I think the consoles are price-constrained. They can't go so high that you're not going to buy it. You know, like, if you go to a certain point with a console, it's like, well, what's the point? You know, I'm paying for the convenience, but is it really that convenient at that price? So, you guys got anything else you want to say? Next-gen consoles? Tell Microsoft and Sony what you really feel? No. I'm just going to stick with my PC. (laughs) I'm just happy that Halo's on the PC now. Yeah, Halo Infinite. And the MCC. Just not Halo 5, but I don't know how much you're missing there. I think we'll survive. I think I'll be okay. (laughs) Timmy's going to get that $400 Atari console thinking about it honestly though (laughs) Intellivision does make more sense I hope you get it let me know how great it is there's a very good chance I'll get that one do you like a comparison Timmy I get the Atari and then we'll have a big powwow and compare it when all the social distancing's done (laughs) I'm saying I actually not bragging because I somehow just came across this at a yard sale but now I have two Intellivisions so I'll just send you one if you want if you get the new one you can like you know Heck yeah, old man. school, new school comparison or something. How'd you end up with a second one? Uh, at a yard sale. Oh, nice. Actually, yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't get to go to them very often, man. But they still around here where I live. Every once in a while, there's old Nintendo games. I've got an old Sega, you know, a couple months ago. I also befriended a lady that uh, owns a tiny antique store down the road, and uh, that has been the best thing ever. She'll <laughs> she be like, hey, this guy brought in some Nintendo stuff. Can you test it out for me? And I'll be like, but of course. And then I'm like, by the way, if you just want me to buy this right now, I'll do that too. So <laughs> if it's something that I want or don't have. She's and, like, I got uh, this. Uh, amazing. She's like, I got this VR headset from like the 90s. It's got Nintendo branding it's red. on it. Yeah, it's like it's red. Weird, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> As always, I'm Chris. And I'm Timmy. I'm JC. And we will all see you tomorrow on the next Creelcast.
This is the Krillcast. I am Chris. And I am Timmy. I'm JC. Always looking good down there, JC. Timmy, why don't you tell everybody about your channel? Well, I'm Timmy, and uh, I am teaching everyone on the internet the history of the garbanzo bean. Uh, little known fact, uh, started the culinary uh, about 1880s, and uh, since then has been used in uh, hummus. Uh, it's also chickpeas, is a little known fact, is also a garbanzo bean, same thing. So That's about my, my, pretty much my whole channel. <laughs> Go watch this video about world politics, it's great. <laughs> well, um, oh, that channel. You gotta tell me which one you were talking about. This is what he was gonna do on the last episode when he had the headache. Yeah, JC, what's your channel? What's going on there? So Besides the fact channel, that you destroyed the box of the camera sorry. lens. Yeah, it's okay. So my channel is a mixture <laughs> between me posting short films that I've made because I'm very passionate about the art of filmmaking, but every single week on that YouTube channel, I am doing live streams of video games. Uh, right now, I'm doing a bunch of zombie video games, uh, climbing the Call of Duty Zombies world record ladder, and uh, in the future, I'm just going to be expanding out to just doing whatever games that people want me to do. Three world records. Three <laughs> world records. I feel like I feel like I'm not going to be able to. I feel. Why do I feel like I I need to like live this down or something? <laughs> This dude's got three world records, doesn't even bother talking about it. So. World record holder! Yeah, why don't we get number four? What are you working on next? Uh, I'm working on a world record in Call of Duty 5, World at War. Uh, I try to get a high round without turning on the power switch. So there's like no boost to make you more deadly or give you more health. And it's hard. I believe Especially that. Especially because it's an old game and it's very glitchy. I remember trying to get the highest round on Nocturne and Toten. That was like ridiculously hard once you get past a certain level. Well, the highest round on Nocturne and Toten is in like 4,000s. So. I believe that. But just playing it 4, without... <laughs> that is nuts. Yeah. Yeah, the high in World of War actually has the highest zombie record on uh, the third map, Shinonuma. Uh, it just got reset this year. Um, the highest, the highest round ever achieved in Call of Duty Zombies, nine thousand nine hundred and forty-eight. Seriously? Yes. Holy it was set cow! This year. Wow. <laughs> I love this video that's playing in the background, but I'm gonna have to kick off of it because otherwise we're gonna get stuck watching this instead of talking about what we need to talk about. But seriously, guys, record holder in Call of Duty Zombies down here. He does he did these zombie skits called Run from the Dead, which is also a famous iOS game name, by the way. Yeah, um, uh, Into the Dead. Into the Dead. Uh, into the Dead. You're right. I'm sorry. Into the Dead. Into the Dead. No, I know it. I've played it. Yeah, it's good. I, uh, I kept thinking of that game every time I read your title. So, But today, <laughs> we're talking about a legendary console for known for being legendarily a failure for Nintendo to the degree that Nintendo doesn't even really ever talk about it. The Virtual Boy. Um, I'm going to give you guys some uh, stats on this real quick. The Virtual Boy is a 32-bit portable, uh, portable tabletop video game VR headset console developed and manufactured by Nintendo. Released on July 21st, 1995 in Japan, which is why we're covering this in July of 2020, because it's 
25 years old. It was marketed as the first console capable of displaying stereoscopic stereoscopic 3D graphics. Uh, The games use a parallax effect to create the illusion of depth. Sales failed to failed to compete, failed to meet targets, and by early 1996, Nintendo ceased the distribution and game development, having only released 22 games. Let that sink in for a second. Nintendo has a console that has 22 total games. Development of the Virtual Boy lasted four years and began under the project name VR32. Nintendo entered a licensing agreement to use a 3D LED eyepiece technology developed by U.S. company Reflection Technology. It also built an entire factory in China to be used only for Virtual Boy manufacturing. Over the course of development, the console technology was downscaled due to high costs and potential health concerns. And an increasing amount of resources were reallocated to the development of the Nintendo 64. Nintendo's next home console. The Virtual Boy was panned by critics and was a commercial failure even after repeated price drops. Its failure has been attributed to its high price, monochrome display, unimpressive 3D effect, and lack of true portability. And the health concerns, you know, there's that. Um, stereoscopic <laughs> technology in video game consoles reemerged in years later, or later years, to more success, including the Nintendo 3DS, even though nobody uses the 3D effect at all anymore at all. Really? Nope. Nintendo shipped fewer than 800,000 Virtual Boy units worldwide, making it the second lowest selling platform ever by Nintendo, other than what? The Nintendo 64DD, which is a far less known console and never even released in the US, which is why, in my opinion, the Virtual Boy is the worst, worst, the lowest successful, the least successful console ever to be released by Nintendo. So 64DD was a disk drive add-on for the Nintendo 64. All right, so what do you guys remember about the Virtual Boy yourselves? You know, I remember uh, my best friend in grade school had one, and uh, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> did you and feel I, bad you didn't? I did. I thought it was really cool, and it was, you know, red. I just remember all of it being red monochromatic as you said there with the big word but uh yeah it 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 kind of burned into your eyeballs a little bit too like certain games where the you know certain parts didn't move too much after you pulled out of that thing you looked around you'd be like still seeing guys i remember that being like that's probably what they mean by health concerns because i can only imagine with other colors or brighter colors it probably was even worse you know but yeah, no, I just remember being jealous of my uh, my buddy and uh, getting to play it every time we'd hang out, and it was a great, it was a great thing. I wanted one really bad. I still do. I still check eBay periodically for them because you know why not? They're expensive now. Oh yeah, they're like cult classics. I think right. They're in like that realm. I, I mean personally, I've never had a single shred of interest in a Virtual Boy because. It's important as a concept, but it fell victim to being way ahead of its time in a really bad way, where the idea was ahead of the technology they used to make it, and so it caused all these problems, and they could only do it in that shade of red, (laughs) and so... I, I believe that's the reason why the why the Virtual Boy could have failed so badly, yet VR is starting to become a somewhat 
like somewhat recognized brand, I guess, because now the technology is there to meet the idea. So back in 1995 when this came out, my experience was I wanted one because, of course, I wanted one. These commercials are legendary. Um, War of the Worlds with a virtual boy. It's so cool. But my parents thought, hey, let's get him the Tiger R-Zone, which I'll show you what that is. It was was meant to be a competitor, really just piggybacking off of the, the... Success. Totally the same thing. Of the virtual yeah. port. <laughs> Our zone VR. To find it. Yeah, this is it. Um, this guy, this isn't the one that I sold mine a while back. That's why I can't show it to you guys. But see, I can find this. Yeah, here it is. This is what it looked like. <laughs> That's that is what... amazing. <laughs> so this is like augmented reality. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> so that little, that little tiny. Little tiny uh, clear thing you see out he's wearing. That's where it's displayed for you to see. That's that's the R zone. So the R zone. God, he's like a he's like a futuristic soldier. <laughs> the R zone had the greatest commercial ever though, because like it made my parents actually think that this was something equivalent to uh, the virtual one. <laughs> sorry, this is one of the worst. Just watch this thing. You can just tell it's not legit. Nothing. And the best part is the graphics they used on the screen to kind of show this thing off were not. See, this is where they kind of get like to that almost. That's what it looked like. (laughs) That's what it looked like. And they tried making it look like it was the other things. But that's it. It's just like Game Gear style graphics. Yeah, it's like borderline fraud. <laughs> it is, basically, yeah. yeah. Just barely not. <laughs> they do show, it's like, oh yeah, the red stuff is what's on the eyeglass, but yeah, look at the pretty stuff beforehand. I will say I played this. I did play it. Uh, Christmas of 1996 or whatever year it was. But uh, I can't say I was impressed. Just thinking of the meme, it's like, we have this at home. <laughs> exactly, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, most people think of the Virtual Boy of the VR at home. Yeah. The only so. difference is you think of the Virtual Boy as the actual premium stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, what do you guys think? What's the legacy of this console, the Virtual Boy? I mean, I think, obviously, there weren't a lot of them created, so now they're being by people who do collect those kind of things. 200 bucks. Thank buy it now. You know. It's not bad. Much? $200. 200 That's, That's not, not bad. bad at all. It 250 works. Yeah, it's got everything. Yeah, usually they're around 250 with a, a game, with a game. With a game. Baseball. Timmy's about to Interesting. itch that. He's like, all right, I'll, be, I'll see you guys in about 10 <laughs> minutes. You just hear a shuffling of a, of a wallet. <laughs> Off screen, <laughs> his wallet opens up. Poof! All the money's gone. Aggressively typing. <laughs> I will buy this. Look at the bids on this one. Already at two hundred seven. I mean, these things are not cheap. You know, they um, usually no. go like two fifty. And you know, if they have a lot of things with them, then they're getting up there crazy. If you have a box, I mean, fine. And honestly, usually there's not that many listed. Like I'm kind of surprised to see as many as you're looking at here. Yeah, there's a lot. 
I wonder if there's like a bunch of collectors like, nah, I'm good. I don't need the 2,000 brand new. Holy cow. In the box. In the box. Sounds about right. Like the one, the one that I saw at the game store years back was like this. It had like, oh wow, seven games. The guy, the guy that I I had seen one physically had the box, this box right here. Um, the blockbuster case. Those blockbuster cases are worth so much money. I was going to say that I remember renting, renting this one time as well. I I honestly forgot until this moment just now. We (laughs) actually did get to rent one. So the amazing briefcases. Oh yeah. The briefcase, the guy that I had seen one from played one a little bit. He had the briefcase, the entire 22 game collection and a completely working model. So, Oh my God. So it would have been like this except with 22 games. Yeah. I think he even had half the boxes for the games. Wow. So, yeah, it was probably worth a lot of money. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. This game... Uh, I think, I don't know, this was crucial to what we're going through now. You know? Oh, yeah, 100%. So what do you think the legacy of the, the Virtual Boy is now? Is it, is it the current VR headsets? Is that is that where we're at? Or does this have no impact? I think that's what it spawned. It it It, it, it serves as like a footnote. It's like, okay, this is what they were trying to do. But right. there's no way you can convincingly do it with 1980s stuff. Like, it's basically 1980s tech. You're trying yeah. to cobble something together. And now with VR being able to do something as high as each eye is 4K, it's, it's such an improvement, but it... You can think of it as not just like simply the grandfather, but more like the foundation of the house of VR. It's it's really rough. No one likes looking at it too much, unless if you unless if you really really dig into it. But it's so important. Like there's there's no denying the influence it had on people. I agree with that. One hundred percent. Um, if I ever get a Virtual Boy, I will be buying this game, Jack Bros. Oh, they're showing both eyes. Yep, interesting. That's beautiful. Yeah, Jack Bros is one of the most technically impressive games on the system. This one and uh, the Wario Land game are both very impressive. But this was actually Atlas, by the way. Um, Atlas is the company that makes Persona. Oh, really? Yep. So. Huh. Atlas, and it's kind of weird because they've never made another game like this one. Um, this is like a platformer thing. I'll show you what it looks like. It's like a dungeon platformer crawler game. It's really uh, different from anything they make, but yeah, I've always been like kind of envious of anybody that owns this particular game. Personally, and this makes me want to like do this and put my face up on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> will that will that work? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> uh, as far as VR goes, I think we'd still get VR without the Virtual Boy. We just wouldn't have a good idea of how it should be implemented. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Like uh, VR in one way or another was going to be like inevitably. Oh yeah, it's the next step because there's always the the companies that are like, oh yes, we must make it as real as possible. Like, VR has gone so far 
that out of the mainstream, there's full VR headsets, which are like you're on a 360 treadmill and, and like stuff like that. So yeah, I was, you could go ahead. So go ahead. virtual boy is important, but it, it, VR, yeah, it's important to know that it's probably inevitable. I'm gonna say I agree with that that it is inevitable. I also think you could like make the case that Virtual Boy pushed back how much time because it wasn't successful at all. That maybe it took a little longer for people to be like, let's try some VR stuff again. You know, because it really, I mean, I know Nintendo did a little bit of it with their handheld what was was it 3DS with the little Mm -hmm. gauge thing. Mm -hmm. But I don't don't know. I just feel like you could make the case that it because it did so poorly sales-wise, maybe it uh, stopped people from pursuing buying those consoles and also companies from attempting to put them out. Too, That's you know? fair. I mean, answer honestly. Like, Do you think people would have bought a PS2 version of VR like with those types of graphics? With these types of graphics or PS2 graphics? Like, Think of like... PS2 graphics, but VR. Do you think people would have gone for that? <laughs> I think if it was an option to add on, maybe. But if it was how the game was played, no, I don't think it would have been nearly what the PS2 was. Mm-hmm. So PS2, yeah, they they really just broke the barrier of like, hey, you can watch DVDs too, or whatever you know, whatever you want to do. Like, or, I don't know, just I, yeah. The fact that Nintendo was able to make this at all at all in 1995 is impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, I mean, I don't think about anyone this. didn't think it was impressive. Think about this. They put two screens for people's eyes, the size of your eyes in a little console, the size of an actual VR headset looks like nowadays. Like, regardless of how good the screen looks, that is impressive to me. The fact that yeah. they did it at all. I mean, and I guess... The science behind it isn't that crazy, but I also wonder how exactly they did it. Did they just shift the frame over? Did they only shift the character and only move the background? Like, what? I, I just need to. I haven't played it in, you know, 15, 20 years, so. Right. I have literally no idea how. Yeah, I mean, it essentially. So, do you know how the 3DS does it? Yeah. I mean, I. It uses I very it similar moved. technology. So. Essentially, the way that you do it is you have, and the way the 3DS does it is, is essentially every other line of of the video is a separate depth, like, like they're separate pieces. So, like half of the frame, every other piece is the forefront, and half of the frame, every other piece is the background. Okay, so are you following me so far? Yeah. Uh-huh. So then. In the backdrop, like the way that the slider works on the 3DS is that they scale the depth behind the character with that slider. And it's literally software and hardware together does that. Now, the way it works is they insert double the amount of lines horizontally that would normally be required. That's how they make it look like a normal image, but also have the depth. So you're doubling the pixel density across the horizontal frame without doing anything to the vertical frame. So it's not voodoo. No. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. 
Thank you for explaining it, though. Well, I had no idea that was... I honestly just thought it was just, you know, the background and the foreground were separate and they let you control how far apart they were or something. I don't know. I never really thought about it too much. But. Yeah, I mean, the technology to do it, I mean, it takes quite a bit of work to make that work. Right. But essentially, you have like two fields. This, this is just two frames, right? Yeah, essentially, you've got two slightly. frames, one overlaid on the other. And the way they do it is they, like I said, every other line of pixels is a separate depth. So like one's one's in front, one's in the back. Like see how my hands are? Like imagine right. imagine this is it, and then you just you know you see what I'm doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. Hmm. So yeah, but the 3ds um, is very impressive because it essentially when you move that slider back and forth, it just the software forces it to do that. Interesting. It, it controls the frame. Every other pix, every other line of pixels, is on the other part of the scale. So that's how that works. I, expl- I actually explained this in like episode one of the Krillcast. <laughs> Don't watch that video. What a throwback. Don't watch that video. But I did explain wow, this a long, long time ago. <laughs> oh, and, and Will was very confused because I had a much worse way I explained it. <laughs> I did not explain it very well, so I'm glad I get a chance to redeem myself. Um, do you guys have anything else you want to say about the Virtual Boy? Uh, oh, here's another good question. Over the years, and this is the last little bit we're going to talk about for this, but over the years, Nintendo has taken a lot of risks compared to Microsoft and Sony. I mean, what's mm-hmm. the biggest risk Microsoft and Sony have taken? You know, it was, it was because of the Wii, in my opinion, that they did the Kinect, and then the Kinect turned out to be a mistake in the Xbox One. And then, like, Sony with the PS Move, which actually turned out to be a positive product they've used it for their VR. What do you... Anything else? Mm. Like, the iToy for the PS2? I I don't know. There's a lot of... I think Sony's a lot more careful. Well, the the other companies are definitely a lot more careful, but I would say it works for Nintendo because they either guess correctly... I wouldn't even say guess correctly. They choose correctly, um, or they don't. And if they are correct, then it becomes the Wii, or it becomes the Nintendo Switch. And if they don't, it becomes the Virtual Boy or the Wii U. <laughs> I love the Wii U. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. You're right. Because they don't, they don't usually double down on something that fails. They just kind of let it slowly die. Whereas, like, Microsoft, like, they are like, we will die on the Connect Hill. <laughs> mm-hmm. For some reason, they chose the Connect to, to just, like, we will die on this hill. True. Anything, else you, guys, anything else you guys want to add to that? I don't think so. Uh, just I just watch this yeah. virtual boy. Uh, <laughs> I just put out, like, a, a in general thank you to Virtual Boy for failing and allowing others to succeed. Yeah, that's fair. As always, I'm Chris. (laughs) And burning Timmy's eyes. Um, As always, I'm Chris. And I'm Timmy. I'm JC. And we will see you on the next Krillcast. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Good. Whoa, my bad. (laughs) Don't do that. I saw that. Ow. I want to do something. Hold on. Whoa! Christ!
This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris. And I am Timmy. Not Will. I'm JC. And uh, today is Face Off Fridays. Um, face Off. We're not taking faces off. We're just facing off. Okay, listen. Not taking the face off, right? Not going to see me clean my face, you know, beauty. John Travolta. Face. Oh. <laughs> I was thinking more of like the, the the beauty channels where they clean their face off. Like, oh, I just took all these chemicals off uh, my face. I immediately uh, went to Nicolas Cage. <laughs> good, good as usual. <laughs> so, JC, who are you? Uh, so, I am a channel that does short films, but I also live stream every week. Uh, the short films I do, uh, I like to do. Uh, my most popular is a zombie series, but I'm also going to hopefully. Be releasing a new short film this next week. Wow. Uh, yeah. Currently right now for my weekly live streams, I focus on zombie games, but I will be soon branching out into just doing whatever games people tell me to do. And since he won't tell you, three times world record holder, zombies! Wow, God, zombies! Wow! Three times! World record holder. Okay. Right. <laughs> That's going to be the new intro to his next video. He's going to like take the sound bite from this episode. Three times world record holder. <laughs> kind of a big deal. <laughs> uh, All right. Okay. If, if, if you insist. Timmy, who are you? Who are you? Uh, I am Timmy, <laughs> and I make internet doo-doo. That's right. Sometimes I cover stuff on Reddit. Sometimes I talk about Alex Trebek. Sometimes talk about televangelist, snake oil salesman, and uh, Holy Ghost Fire, you know? Yeah. Potatoes, why not? Three Is times our pan champion, Timmy from Tell uh, Me More. That's right. I, three, At least three times I've been on our pan. <laughs> lots of awards were, were had. Lots and that's lots right. of awards. All right, Hundreds. so... Next, I have, I have this... several years of Reddit premium now. So <laughs> kind of a big deal too. So, just so you guys are aware, just so you're aware, today is our sixth Face Off Friday. I want to say number six, five or six. I can't remember. Brain not working. Anyways, um, we record these a week ahead, so I'm always like a number off, one or two off, whatever. So, today the Face Off topic is. Is the Battle Royale gaming genre ever going to be surpassed by another gaming genre? And uh, my friend over here, Timmy, and I are going to be debating this with JC being the judge. So it's, he's the, uh, the, I don't know, I'm trying to come up with a good uh, acronym for JC to be judge something. And JC the Juror. JC the Juror. Okay, that works. Um <laughs> So before we get started, you got to pick who's going to go first. I get. I mean, okay. So let's go with your. Let's see. Let's see why battle royales will never stop. First, I want to. I want to. That's wanna you, Timmy. What, huh? I want to hear what your opinion is. That's that's Timmy's. Okay, so and I know. I know he's uh, on it. Oh, that they'll that they'll stay on top. Yeah. Yeah. I want to. I want to hear you first. All right. All right. Hold well, on. Hold on. I, hold on. Okay. So you're going to be defending it. I'm going to be saying absolutely not. It's going to get surpassed. Yeah. So that's the that's the uh, argument. So now that you know which way which way each of us are, Timmy's going to go first. Perfect. Well, uh, ultimately, I will remind you before we started 
recording this. You uh, you said something. You were like, "What even was the trend before Battle Royale for streamers? Like, what were people doing? You know, what games were popular?" And I think that's kind of the root of what I'm getting at is Battle Royale games have really just transformed not just streaming, but I honestly think the st- the pace of the game and the fact that you're always running across other than Fortnite adding bots, but like almost always running across actual people that you're playing against. Uh, sometimes with proximity chat, which is just a whole nother level that Duty introduced. It's amazing, but you know, uh, that's a long-standing thing that's part of multiplayer games as well. So I can't I can't give that battle rail credit. But I think just the pace and the fact that you know it's perfect for streamers to be able to communicate with their chat and also play at their own pace too. I mean, if they're going to be hyper aggressive, then you know. Obviously, streaming is a talent when you're able to communicate with chat, keep it interesting enough, and also play at a high level of the game. But you can also just get on nightly on a VR-style game, and instead of playing like a multiplayer Call of Duty, which is super high pace compared to Battle Royale, where a lot of times you're in a building with your buddy just talking about what you're doing the next day before you loot up and go push into some guys, you know, so... I think that there's a whole level there that just is, there's a reason that all these games now are coming with a battle royale mode. And the other side is there's no reason not to. I mean, if you have a combat style game at this point, um, again, I know Halo is a popular thing with both of you. Why not have a battle royale style? I mean, one, two maps and put all the guns you have in, you know, different game modes. You look at Fortnite, what they've built as far as we touched on it in uh, Monday's episode a lot, but they're doing more than just the Battle Royale-style game, but that is the bare bones of what got them to be able to have this platform and community to have live shows and, you know, real-life events. and It's really opened up a whole new community and culture that did not exist before and I don't see going away anytime soon. All right, you have the option to ask him one question, provided he's actually done with his argument. Uh, my one question for you would be, is what, what, is, the, what is the one defining feature of Battle Royale that makes it... That makes it the, I, I guess the found that makes it able to be the foundation for any type of game, whether it's a shooter game like Call of Duty, or a game where you're beating each other with your hands, like a, I don't know, bo- like a boxing. Yeah, I mean that's kind of battle royale. Kind of why I was careful to say like shooter or combat style game, because I mean. I think that the definition of Battle Royale is flexible, but I think the, the basis would be just large number of players, mostly human, obviously bots have been incorporated into it on certain games on Fortnite. But um, I think playing with a an idea of, you know, yes, you can be on teams, but sometimes there's response, sometimes there's not. I don't know. I think there's flexible rules to what a VR actually is, but you do have to start with a large amount of players and work your way down to last last man standing. Uh, open world and looting and building and doing, you know, whether it be contracts or whatever type of in-game thing is interesting at the time, I think that's all just 
gray area that Battle Royale just really means a bunch of people and last man standing wins, in my opinion. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Are you satisfied with the answer, Judge? I'm satisfied. All right. Great. Is it Whew. is it my turn? I think that means I win. I'm Timmy. I object. Um, <laughs> take him to court. Bailiff, remove him from the courtroom. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have uh, I have a one word response to you that I believe absolves me of any other arguments. Minecraft. No. Talking about one of the first battle royales. No, Minecraft is not a battle royale. It's a it's a a build first. I mean, sure, whatever, but that's fine. But Minecraft is, in my opinion, the biggest gaming franchise ever, and it did surpass Tetris this year, by the way. So, Minecraft, the build first, battle later, forge first. You know, reveal the world later. You know, forge, fight the creepers. It's like the most open, the vir- most virtual Lego game you can get. It's the most creative game you can get. It survived like 12 years of upswings and downswings. It's got uh, <coughs> a clothing line by Markiplier for Minecraft Dungeons, which is not a battle royale, by the way, but it is a spinoff. It's got a Telltale series dedicated to Minecraft story mode. It's like the biggest franchise to ever exist. And it's not a battle royale. It gets 25 million views every time PewDiePie streams Minecraft. It's one of the biggest Twitch stream games of any game on there. And the only thing close to it is Roblox. Fortnite is up there, and it's the biggest battle royale game. But one game, one game on its own, Minecraft, in my opinion, dwarfs every other game that exists in regards to Steam play, in regards to Let's Plays, in regards to lore, in regards to updates, and it sold for a cool, you know, $4 billion to Microsoft. So, in my opinion, no. It, it is not the biggest gaming genre to begin with. And it doesn't need to be surpassed. Whatever the heck Minecraft actually is, is the biggest gaming genre to ever hit the big screen. And if something's going to surpass Battle Royale, it's probably never going to surpass Minecraft. So, that's my argument. What's your question, Judge? Interesting. So, you're saying Battle Royale was never in the I was going to say, the premise is that, it, <laughs> that we're coming from a place that it is in the lead right now. So The question yeah. is, is the Battle Royale gaming genre ever going to be surpassed? I believe it already has... Um, I guess if you want to ask your question, ask ask your question. Is what you're saying. Sorry. So my, I I guess, interesting point, but the question is going to refer to, uh, let's let's assume for a second that Battle Royale is is the the big boy right now. There's there's no blocky empire. (laughs) <laughs> what is the weakness of the battle royale genre that you see? What is like just the weakness? So I think Fortnite kind of addresses the weakness of the BR uh, format in general because what they do is is they supplement the game series with things that aren't BR related, like Travis Scott 
having a concert in the middle of a Fortnite match. That's not BR, but that's supplementing Fortnite as a franchise. Uh, I think it proves that the Battle Royale as a whole is not as strong as what might be thought of because you have to supplement with community events like Travis Scott releasing an album or like Drake playing with Ninja or some way to hype up the Battle Royale genre. Minecraft, to my knowledge, has never had anything like this, and yet it still exists in the same way it existed you know, eight years ago with minor upgrades over time and a community that drives the success of it to continue building until the whole world's playing. You'll have 7 billion players playing Minecraft probably at some point. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um, we can only hope. Uh, but a franchise like Tetris oh, was no, previously... Objection. Can I object to that one? Because... Uh... <laughs> fantasy world <laughs> fair fair all right just whatever um but no minecraft is the first game to surpass tetris in total number of games sold that's a little known fact i think but uh tetris was previously the record holder for the most games sold in the entire history of the world minecraft just surpassed it so so i'm i guess if i wanted to say what i'm trying to say better just to finish this off Minecraft was at one point surpassed by Fortnite in viewers on Twitch, in total players, but because Minecraft is such an evergreen game in a genre that it is the definitive version of, it did eventually, I think, re-surpass Fortnite. And part of it was with people like PewDiePie streaming it again. I don't, I think that the opposite is true, because you have, like you're saying, this, this type of game that is so unique, Minecraft... And then you have VR mode games where now they're, everyone's doing it. So as far as streaming goes, like, yeah, Fortnite versus Minecraft. But then also you have Apex blew up. Valorant is blowing up still, I think, or was last I looked. Uh, Modern Warfare, obviously, has been a thing. Like, all these other Battle Royale mode games combined. Is this your closing argument? Uh, no, I mean, I'm down to go ahead and make those if you want. Is yeah. Val... I didn't think Valorant was a battle royale game. It's Judge, we're we're acting out of the succession of this segment. I guess that might not be right. Yeah, I just I don't know. I was listening. No, to it's it not. It's, it's just like interesting. A game. Isn't yeah, Valorant just Valorant arena shooter? Yeah, I object. Right. Throw the Valorant statement right. out. I object. Valorant okay, gets yeah. tossed out. Strike so it from the record, please. The right. presenting the closing arguments goes in the opposite order. So Timmy, you have every chance to rebut me, but. Let's focus on staying within the realm of the rules. <clears throat> wait, that means wait till you're done and then rebut you? Exactly. Right. <laughs> I like these interesting court cases. <laughs> All right, so here's my closing argument. Not only do I think that Minecraft is surpassing BR as a whole, but I actually think the resurgence of arena shooters like Halo 3 is going to happen in the near future because people are going to get sick of playing these giant massive battle royale genre games and want to get back to the classic halo which is why people want classic halo so badly why mcc is blowing up every time they release a new console console, new release on the pc it's an arena shooter from a time when arena shooters were the top dog and people love that again people are really seeing a resurgence of that again and there's also games like mario kart you know kart racers are pretty cool you know but I don't think that'll ever surpass 
VR. I guess that's a bad example. But Minecraft and Halo, arena shooters, those type of games. I think they're going to see a comeback of arena shooters. And I think Minecraft is like probably the biggest game of all time. So there's my argument. <clears throat> Timmy. Uh, well, JC's and gentlemen of the court. Um, <laughs> I will say, yeah, Minecraft is a giant, great, unique game. Um, I also think Fortnite took elements and has continued to develop their game to be even more like Minecraft with the addition of creative. Uh, um, you know, you can pretty much do a lot of similar... Oops, just dropped a cell phone. I can do a lot of similar things in that mode. It's inspiring people to... Uh, spend hours and hours creating their maps and sharing their codes and again just building a crazy community that is really interested in what they're doing there as far as battle royale goes i mean you talk about halo and but uh people watching this can go back to wednesday when we were saying like or monday or whatever day it was when uh halo should just go ahead and do battle royale too like there's no reason not to and as far as streaming goes which has blown up can i object on you yeah, absolutely. I never said in the BR for Halo thing that that should be the only game mode. What do you mean? I just said that it would be good to include it. I never said that should be the only game mode. I just want to make sure that's clear. No, yeah, uh, okay. no, I, I'm not, and I'm not insinuating you were. I'm, right, I'm saying make sure. that there's just no reason not to have it. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, looking at like what's happened to streaming in the last few years and the effect that Battle Royale games have had on it. I know, like, PewDiePie and Minecraft is just its own unique, amazing thing, right? It, amazing is an interesting word. But I do not see any reason why people would shift what they're watching from Battle Royale-style games. And that's not to say they're not going to enjoy other types of games and they're not going to sometimes want to take a break from them, but if it's any sort of combat-style game, there's no reason not to include a BR, because not only will the campaign or the multiplayer get kind of repetitive, whereas if you have an ever-evolving, interesting map that the meta changes consistently, it's super interesting for someone to watch that streamer, that their favorite streamer play against 100% other real people, too. Not, you know, NPCs that usually move the same directions or you know how to beat because you can use this on them here or there. It's always a unique experience and uh, I don't know. I think they're here to stay, man. We've seen a crazy shift. There's way more of them on the horizon. Um, no time soon is that changing, I don't think. Rest my case. Hmm. Alright, JC, it's your choice to either declare a judgment or throw out the case. Um, okay, so first of all, I'd like to say that both of you presented a honorable argument, and neither of you should be shamed or <laughs> ashamed of what you did. However, um, I have made the, I will present my court statement right here, and the court <laughs> statement is, uh, Battle Royale is going to live out its time as a one of the most popular extensions of games. However, Battle Royale will not continue to be the be-all, end-all game. 
So I am siding, or not siding, the court rules in favor that Battle Royale is not... <laughs> Can I get the streamers coming down? <laughs> Battle Royale. The, court, the, the summary of the court ruling is Battle Royale will remain as the most, one of the most popular extensions of games. However, it will not ever be the frosting on the cake. Or it will be the frosting on the cake. It won't be the cake itself. Shoot. <laughs> Yeah, because you got like uh, tons of games that could have an extension of Battle Royale, but not necessarily that be the main. Very mode. nice about it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Appreciate was, it. I'm still upset. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The Minecraft they... argument. I I, I should have objected because <laughs> I was not. Uh, no. Mm-mm. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a thing to think about because Minecraft has a Hunger Game. I used to play it. A hundred right. person Hunger Game. But it was, it's an extension of the game. Exactly, yeah. And I think that kind of was my argument. I mean, you know, I don't see, there's no reason not to have a battle royale mode of your shooter or combat style game, period. Yeah. No I, it's, it's the thing of, um, the, the, it's, a, it's an extension that is overshadowing the actual game right now. And... Uh-huh. I believe, uh, with the cases presented, it is safe to assume that it would shift to another extension. Um, An example that I call from out of there was uh, Call of Duty, how it's, like, with Warzone right now, with Black Ops 3 way back when, if you can remember that one, Mm -hmm. um, zombies overshadowed everything in that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great example. And it became it became the game mode of Call of Duty for that year. However, Zombies has not stayed on top. Right. It's shifted to Battle Royale now. Although the new one, there, there's there's whispers that the, they're bringing back some zombies in the Cold War. You heard they're that? Bringing, there, there's rumors that there's going to be not only just zombies, but a Zombies Battle Royale. Right. I'm interested yeah. now. Um, can you imagine a like a 150 man br where you're not fighting each other you're trying to keep the zombies out it's just to be fair they did it in blackout doesn't go down yeah there were zombies in blackout anyway certain parts of the map anybody got any anything else they want to say about this I, i believe jc has done a very good job ruling on this case of course you would say that. Yeah, yeah, of course you would. As always, I'm Chris. Honorably. I'm Chris. <laughs> and I'm Timmy. I'm JC. And we will see you. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before we do this, before this, wait. thank you so much, JC, for coming on here. We really appreciate you. I'm glad that you I had a great time. carved out the time to do this with us. Yeah, I enjoyed hanging out with you, buddy. Yeah. And I'll make sure I uh, when I hop in the chat again, I'll be like, hey, what's up, JC? <laughs> of course. How much did Chris pay you to rule in his favor? <laughs> I gave him that fourth zombie record because I yeah, joined yeah. the uh, world records board. Yep. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. One of these. <laughs> As always, I'm Chris. Go subscribe to JC and Timmy. Yes, JC. And JC's going to sign this one off. So we will see you in the next episode of the Krillcast. Heck yeah. Thank you.